Father, thank you that you've promised that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are right here in the midst of us. What an incredible promise that is. Lord, we want to be gathered together in your name. We want to recognize your character and to allow that character to transform our hearts. Lord, help us to recognize the beauty of truth in your word and to recognize the urgency of truth. Thank you, Father, so much for your amazing love for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was in fourth grade when we had a teacher at my school who, let's just say, we began to grow weary of some of his antics, some of the things that he would do. And in our our interpretation of things, we thought that he wasn't treating us right. Now, obviously, as a student um, and as a child, I probably didn't have a very good grasp on all of that, and I may have been totally wrong. But I remember one day when I had simply had enough. It was a Friday. And that day during class, one of my classmates who happened to be in first grade, we were in a one-room school similar to what we have here, a two-room school. Ours is one room. We were there, and little Ben said, I'm sick. I want to call my mom. And the teacher said, no, you're fine. Keep doing your schoolwork. I said, wait, what did he just say? A little bit later, he was again saying, I- I'm sick. Teacher, I, I need to contact my my." My, my mom, I need, need to call home. The teacher again said, no, you can't call home. So I raised my hand and I said, look, mister, if you don't let him call his mom, I am going to call 911. Needless to say, he called my mom and I went home that day. I was the one who got to go home. But I had had enough. I simply saw that this was not right. You know, I believe that in every human heart is the design for a recognition of justice. A recognition when something simply is not right. And the Holy Spirit inspires that through our conscience and helps us to recognize when things aren't right. And in our world today, we're beginning to recognize that things simply aren't quite right. And Jesus said something in in Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, look in Luke chapter 17. I want us to focus on one verse, and then we're going to look at some verses on either side of it to get the context of what Jesus is talking about here. But in Luke chapter 17 and verse 1, or sorry, Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus is explaining why he's going to tell a parable. It says this, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. You see, Jesus wanted the people that he was teaching to know that that life is going to throw you some difficulties. You're going to face some challenges, and he didn't want for them to lose heart. And he wanted for them always to pray. Now this has come just after the Pharisees have come to Jesus and said, hey, so so what is it going to look like when the kingdom of heaven comes? When will we see it? When will we know? back in chapter 17. And, and Jesus has said to them, look, the kingdom of heaven is going to come internally. You're not going to see what you're expecting. You're not going to see the Romans defeated like you hope to. Instead, what you need to look for is, I want to change your heart. I want to see transformation of heart. And then in verse 26, he says something that's very applicable to the world that we're living in today. He begins to introduce what it's going to look like just before he comes back. And then he ends the section that we're going to look at in Luke chapter 18 by saying, when the Son of Man comes, 
will he find faith on the earth? That's a crucial question for us, and I think that's why we're here today wondering, do we have faith? And, and are we going to be a part of that people who continue to have faith all the way until the very end? So I believe what he shares with us here is crucial for us to grasp, especially with the world the way it is today. Verse 26 of chapter 17, Jesus says this, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now do you remember what it was like that, that caused the flood to come on this planet. In Genesis chapter 6, God comes down and he sees, he says, my spirit isn't going to strive forever with man because the thoughts of his heart are only evil continually. The spirit says, I'm going to have to begin to withdraw myself from this situation because people simply are not opening their heart to me. And then it describes how, how violent it was. It says the earth was, had corrupted itself and there was, everybody was practicing violence. You know, who would think that we would experience what we did this past week, right here in Pastor Robles Templeton, that we would have to worry about an active shooter shooting at cops, uh, cops being seriously injured by, and, and having to shelter in place because of this violence that is at our very doorstep right here in our little town. But the Bible doesn't tell us that, hey, things are going to get better and better. There's going to be more and more peace on this planet. It tells us that things are going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's why Jesus tells us things like, I want for you to pray always and not to lose heart. And, and I want for you to be able to continue in faith. I want you, for you to be able to continue to cling to me even when things get really rough. But you notice, what does Jesus highlight? He doesn't talk about the fact that in Genesis it says, hey, there, there was a lot of violence in the time of Noah's day, that, that the earth was corrupt, that all this was going on. Instead, what does he highlight? He says, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage. They're going about their business while the earth is in chaos around them. What I want us to walk away with today is to know it's, it's not okay for us just to go back to business as usual. I think we've had a few little wake-up calls around us. And I believe that those are for a purpose. And that purpose is to increase our faith and our trust in a God of love who will care for us in any and every circumstance. If we just go back to our eating and drinking, our giving in marriage and all of that, not that we shouldn't live and live life, but if that is our focus on how we live for ourselves then we're not going to be able to continue in hope when things get difficult. We're going to lose heart. And then he goes on and says this. Uh, Likewise, also, this is verse 28. Likewise, also, it was in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone down from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so, so do you remember the story of Lot? We actually talked about this a few months back in church. The story of Lot, you have the day before what happens. The angels come to the city, and Lot is so worried about what's happening in the city. Actually, Second Peter, when he writes a letter to, uh, to the church, he says, 
righteous Lot's spirit was vexed every day as he saw the wickedness that was surrounding him. And we don't know exactly what that looks like until you get this, this picture here where it says, uh, when you read about the two angels as they come into the city, Lot rushes out to them and he says, hey, come stay at my house. They said, no, it's fine. We'll stay in the square. He says, no, 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 no. You've got to come and be in my house. And so they, they say, okay, they accept his hospitality. They come to his house. And once they, they come to his house, suddenly there's a mob coming and they say, hey, those guys from out of town, they came. Let's, let us, uh, rape them. Let us, let us take care, uh, uh, let us totally mess with these people's lives. And, Lot says, no, 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 that's why I brought them into my shelter. And then he he gives this terrible idea of giving them his daughters instead. But then they say, look, you are a foreigner. Who made you judge? Who makes you think that you can tell us what's just and what's not just? You're a foreigner. We are going to do even worse to you. This is a story that's filled with racism. That, that somebody comes into their village who's a foreigner, who's an outsider, and they're like, hey, we want to, to totally rape and pillage the, these two men. And then when he tells them no, they're like, hey, you too are not a part of our town. You're not one of our people. And so we want to do the same to you. This is the, the context of the story. But do you see what Jesus highlights? He doesn't point out that this is what the people in Sodom and Gomorrah were doing. What he points out was, what were they doing? They were eating. They're drinking, they're buying, they're selling, they're marrying, they're giving in marriage. They don't care about what's happening to the world around them. They don't recognize the fact that it's an urgent time to get to know Jesus, to get to know their God. And instead, they're simply living life focused on themselves. And Jesus says it's going to be the same in the time of the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be a surprising event. And you look at Lot goes and he's warned by the angels and he goes to his son-in-laws and says, hey, you got to come with me because this city's going to be destroyed. And, and they think he's joking. They say, this, he's, he's off his rocker. What is he even talking about? And they go on living their lives and they don't accept the plan of escape and they're destroyed. And, and God doesn't want for anybody to suffer wrath. The Bible says that again and again. God wants for everybody to accept the amazing gift of salvation that he offers over and over in Jesus that is fully accomplished by Jesus. He wants for us to accept that in full. But he goes on to say right after this, uh, Luke 17 continues on saying, after it will be this way in the Son of Man. Verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife, how she's turning back and looking at the city. And it says, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. So you see, these people are so focused on how they're going to take care of themselves and their lives, how they're going to to make things work for them, but they're not noticing the chaos, the violence around them. They're not caring about the injustice that's happening around them. And because of that, they totally miss what God is wanting to do. And in our world today, things are going crazy. How do we react? What do we do? Do we focus on how do I make sure that I'm okay? How do I make sure that my family's okay? Or we focus on how do we make sure that we are the light that God calls us to be in, this, in the world around us? How do we focus on making sure that we enhance the lives of others around us and that we do everything possible to help as many people as possible come in contact with Jesus? 
Then Jesus goes on to say in Luke 18, verse 1, And he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. I think that this is pretty crucial for the times that we're living in. People are beginning to lose heart. Did you Have you recognized that? Have you, have you heard that in conversations around you? Or maybe you're sitting here this morning saying, Yeah, I'm kind of losing heart. I don't know if it's financial difficulties for you. I don't know if it's fears about what's going on in the world for you. Maybe it's fears about the future. But let me just give you a, a, what, what I saw this week that was, that was kind of interesting to me in seeing how people are feeling. So this is written on Wednesday in the, the San Luis Tribune. They're going through downtown Paso Robles. It's, it's on a, a somewhat lockdown. There's an active shooter around, and they're going to business owners saying, hey, what's going on? And so it says this, business owners in, down, in the downtown area said Wednesday afternoon they were aware of the ongoing active shooter situation. Some were taking extra precautions to keep customers and employees safe. Notice this. They said stress from the coronavirus outbreak, the economic downturn, and the protests following the death of George Floyd has started to build up and impact people. It's just one thing after another, said Cassie Highfield, a cashier at Blake's True Value Hardware. It's a working community. We try to do the best we can with the chaos that we're in. She says, things, it's just too much. It's been a buildup of all these things, and, and it's more than we can handle. It's stressful. Garrett Perney, a salesman at the store, said police asked store employees to take precautions and remain alert. Perney said he can sense the stress that people are under right now. It just seems like there's a lot going on, he said. A lot for people to digest. Just down the street, Adrian Chavez, owner of Habanero's Mexican restaurant, hoped she could open for a late lunch or dinner after the shelter-in-place order. It's strange this time, Chavez said. Everything is happening at the same time. She goes on to say, We'd never think in Paso Robles. You think in other places, but this is a quiet and nice and safe place. She said the shooting and lockdown were scary and not what she would expect in our city. We don't expect that it's going to come close to us. Sometimes we don't think that it's going to come to our little town. We live in, in Templeton, Paso Robles, Atascadero. We, maybe we even live out of those towns and it feels safe and secure. But what God wants us to know is that violence is going to increase on this planet just like it did in the days of Noah. Things are going to become worse in this world. But Jesus says in John sixteen thirty three, I have said these things that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you will honor me. I'm just wanting for people to look up from the chaos around them and to look to me as their Savior. And I'm hoping that, that, that people in the midst of this will be people like Lot, who will be reaching out and providing a safe haven for as many people as possible around them. People who are who are like Abraham. You know, the, the amazing thing about the story of Abraham is that while Lot is is in Sodom and Gomorrah, he's outside of the city, he's, uh, he's he doesn't have to worry about his own safety. He's going to be okay. But he pleads with God saying, would you spare the city if they're 50? they're 40, if they're 30, even if there's just 10 people, God, won't you spare this city? 
And that's the heart that God wants to give to each of us. As we look at the world around us, things are becoming so polarized that the people on this side hate people on this side. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants for you to be so embroiled in your politics and in what's going on in the world that we're unwilling to love the person that thinks differently than us. That we're unwilling to extend a hand of friendship to those who may be acting in a way that we think is not right. But Jesus comes and he says, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Help those that persecute you. Be there for other people. So Jesus goes on here in Luke chapter 18 to, to tell the story so that you and I can have hope, so that we can continue in hope, so that we will not lose heart and that we will pray always. Verse 2 saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Well, this guy is totally selfish. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't care about anybody else. Who does he care about? The only person he cares about is himself. And we're seeing selfishness increase around us. And I hope that we evaluate our own hearts and ask, is selfishness increasing in our own heart? Now there was a widow in that city. She came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Widows had absolutely no right. You know, we can be thankful for the women's... Uh, movement that's happened that has given women a a right to own property that has given them the right to vote that has given them things that back in this day they had no rights whatsoever and if you lost your husband you didn't have a son you couldn't have your property you would have nothing to take care of you you were doomed but she keeps going to this judge she's looking for help she says help me for the the, uh, get justice from for me from my adversary And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within myself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. This is just too much. I can't handle it. And the, the Greek actually here is like, she's giving him a black eye. She says, if she keeps coming like this, I'm going to have a black eye out of this situation. She's pounding on me and I can't handle it anymore. And so I'm going to give her what she wants. And then by way of contrast, uh, it goes on to say, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? See, God is looking for, in the times that we're living in, as we get closer to, closer to the end, He's looking for a people who continue to cry out to Him, not as an unjust judge who's focused on Himself, but as a God whose very definition is love. Other-centered, focused love, who is defined by the cross of Jesus Christ, where we see a God who's willing to give His own life so that we could have life. A faith that is inspired and energized by who God is, and it keeps crying out, keeps looking to Him for help all the way until the end. And Jesus says, when I come back, will there be faith like that on the planet? Psalm 103 says that as a father pities his child, so God pities pities us as His people. It reminds me of recently we were, uh, the girls, you know, they've begun to, to be able to say different words. And one of my favorite words that they say, not because of 
what they say, but why they're saying it is they say dada. I, it just melts my heart to hear them say dada. Well, we have this thing where we teach them to, to take their nap and they know when it's nap time, right girls? And we put them down and we sing their songs and we lay them in their cribs and sometimes if there's excitement going on, it's a little harder than other times to fall asleep. And sometimes they'll be crying and that's one of the most exhausting things for Leah and I to have to hear that crying and to hope that it ends as soon as possible. Five minutes can feel like five hours when your child is crying. But one day, and I think Leah was somewhere else doing something else, I broke the rule of going in to get, I forget if it was Abby or Livy who was crying. I think it was Livy. Because as she was there crying, suddenly I heard something. She said, Dada! So that's it. I'm done. And I went in, and I picked her up, and I rocked her to sleep. I have to answer the call of my daughter. And friends, I am a selfish dad. I'm not righteous. But the God of the universe is a God of love. Other-centered, focused love who laid down his life for you on the cross of Jesus, in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you call out to him, he hears, and he answers, and he pities. And he can't wait to avenge. He can't wait to bring justice to this planet. And we might wonder, well, well, then why doesn't he answer faster? Why don't things happen? And it, what we have to do is trust. Trust that he knows what's best for our life. Trust that he is leading us in the right way. Continue to know that he's the God who is answering. The book Education says it this way. Education, page 263, talking about what God is going through right now that he sees every pain, he feels every heartache that people are going through. It says this, as the whole creation groans and travails in pain together, like Romans 8.22 says, the heart of the infinite Father is pained in sympathy. Our world is a vast lazar house, meaning a house of suffering, a scene of misery that we dare not allow even our thoughts to dwell upon. If we think too long about what's going on on this planet, I mean, we're in turmoil here in the United States, but if you take time to look at what's going on in other countries and what's been going on for centuries in other countries, the suffering that people are going through, if you take time to look at that, we can't even bear it humanly. We can't begin to comprehend it. We end up just distancing ourselves from it. Says, did we realize it as it were, the burden would be too terrible. Yet God feels it all. In order to destroy sin and its results, he gave his best beloved, and he has put it in our power through cooperation with him to bring this scene of misery to an end. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. We have the opportunity to, to recognize that it's God who is suffering most of all right now. It's God who sees the pain and suffering of 7 billion people on this planet who are in fear, who are in agony. Some are hungry, some are starving, some are sick. All of the things going on on this planet and God feels it all. And He cares about every single person. And that's why it's not okay to be a racist. That's why it's not okay to hate cops. That's why it's because every single person on this planet is of value to the God of the universe. And we have to stand up for justice. We have to stand up for what is right. And most of all, we need to be the people who are crying out to a God of justice and love and mercy. 
who alone can fix the problems on this planet. Jesus said, hey, you're not going to need to expect that I'm going to come and destroy the Romans. You need to look for what I'll do in your heart. And that is the most important thing that we can recognize is the King coming into our heart, transforming us to be Christ-like in these last days. I remember waking up on Thursday morning and we'd been watching on the, the Twitter for the Paso Robles Police Department the updates about what's happening with the active shooter. And I thought, I wonder if they got him yet. And so I look and they say, oh, he showed up in the gas station and I'm realizing, okay, this is closer and closer to where I live. And then they pretty soon they're saying, hey, you know, they're watching out for this area and, and they're in Templeton. There's a shelter in place now for Templeton. And I realize this guy is traveling down the Salinas River Valley. For those of you that don't know where I live, we live literally right on the Salinas Riverbed. <laughs> and you can, we, we go out for walks on it all the time. Pretty soon families texting saying, hey, make sure you have the doors locked, you stay inside. As things get closer and closer to home, suddenly we can't just go about business as usual as we recognize this world is a dangerous place. But what do we, how do we react in those moments when the chaos begins to come close to our home? We need to look up. We need to cry out in times of trouble to the one who will deliver, the one who promises that through that deliverance, we will glorify him. You know, the, the world around us, people really are losing heart. You know, there's some people who aren't here today, and I'll, I'll read an email that I got last night to you, uh, just part of an email, and I will summarize it enough that you won't be able to know who this is exactly. But there's somebody that's not here today because of what they're going through and what they've been going through with all that's happening in our town. It says, we won't be able to join you this Sabbath as the level of stress we've been dealing with has taken a toll. The gunman this week was photographed less than a block from my office, and getting there safely was a challenge for the last two days. It was stressful, as were the threat of riots last week, which also affected us in a bad way. Combined with all the challenges due to COVID-19, it's been difficult. It's needless to say that we have many sleepless nights. We've had many sleepless nights for quite some time. And I don't know if you've been going through that yourself. If you have, what I want to encourage you is, we need each other. We need a church family that we can press together. Give a call to somebody. Call me. I would love to talk with you. If you're going through difficulty and stress right now, press together as a Christian family. And most of all, look up to Jesus because your redemption is drawing near. And if you're not feeling that, you might be thinking, what? why is this bothering people? Why, why are people so, so in angst about this? I just encourage you that God feels what those people are feeling and he wants for you and I to have empathy and compassion for, for people that are afraid about things, for people that are going through things. And he wants for us to be praying for them and he wants for us to be agents of hope. He wants for us to be there to lift people up, to help them in every way possible. Friends, Jesus wants you to pray always and not to lose heart. Because he is a God of love. He's a just judge who is working out our salvation. Behind all of the mess and chaos, there's a God of omnipotence who is at work in our world. And we just need to keep inviting him into our lives and into the lives of those around him. And to keep praying for our nation, keep praying for our world. To keep looking up because our redemption is drawing near.
Let's pray. God, thank you that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. Thank you so much, Jesus, for promising that in me you have peace. In this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Father, thank you that we can gather together in this beautiful creation that you have made for us. Thank you that we can be reminded that you want for us to pray always and not to lose heart. And Lord, you wouldn't have kept warning us to not lose heart if it weren't that things were going to keep getting more and more difficult. And so I pray that each of us would have an urgency about getting to know you as a faithful, loving, trustworthy God. That we would open our Bibles each day, that we take time in prayer, that we would not be content to rest satisfied until we know that we know Jesus for ourselves. Thank you that you are a God of infinite love who is just wanting to save everybody who's willing. Lord, we just want to say we're willing. We open our hearts to you. Would you save us and would you make us a saving influence to the people around us, Lord, that as many people as possible can have light and hope and peace brought to them. We recognize our community is reeling from the recent events. Lord, help us to be agents of hope. And Lord, even people in our own congregation are are, are experiencing fear and stress and sleepless nights. And I pray that we would be here. We'd bind close together as friends, that we'd give each other calls and texts and just stay in touch in a way that we can continue to give each other hope and courage. Thank you, God, that we know the end of the story. We know that we have hope in Jesus because of what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, we cling to the reality of who you are. May we pray always and not lose heart. May you find faith when you come back. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.